Greetings, friends. This is Get the Word with Mike Butler, an etymology podcast for word nerds. I am your host, Mike Butler. Today, we're talking about a word that's often misused and misunderstood, homeopathy. I want to start off by saying that this term, homeopathy or homeopathic, which is its related adjective, is not just another way to say natural or alternative medicine. It's something very specific. Yes, it is a form of alternative medicine, but it is not itself a synonym for alternative medicine. Today, we'll get into the history of how this term came to be, and of course, we'll pick apart the word syllable by syllable. We'll also discuss homeopathy a bit to try to clear up any confusion around it. So let's start with a man named Samuel Frederick Hahnemann. Hahnemann was a German physician who lived from 1755 to 1843. Starting in around 1790 until his death, he worked on and developed a system of medicine that he would eventually coin as homeopathy. One source gives us the date of 1824 as the first recorded use of the term homeopathy. However, one source tells us that uh, it first appeared in print in 1807. Hanuman was fed up with the practices he was seeing all around him, like bloodletting. He felt there had to be a better way. He rejected mainstream medicine of the late 18th century. It is believed that at one point, Hahnemann came across the theories of Scottish physician William Cullen when translating a medical treatise of Cullen's into German. Hahnemann disagreed with Cullen's theory surrounding the reasons why cinchona bark, the bark of a tree found in South America, is an effective treatment against malaria. Hahnemann felt that more research needed to be done so he decided to try out the bark himself as an experiment. Mind you, he did not have malaria at the time. After taking it, he developed symptoms that seemed to mirror the symptoms of malaria. Fever, shivering, joint pain. Hanuman came up with a connection based on this. A cure for malaria was provoking symptoms very similar to malaria. After testing the effects of the bark on some other people, along with similar findings after experiments using several other substances, he felt confident enough to propose the theory of homeopathy, let likes be cured by likes. This led Hanuman down the long road of believing that like cures like. The basic foundation behind those little sugar pellets you see in tiny bottles at health food stores today. Of course, through subsequent scientific work performed, we now know that cinchona bark cures malaria because it contains quinine, which kills the protozoan parasite that causes malaria. From sciencebasedmedicine.org, quote, This mechanism of action has been elucidated, and it has nothing to do with like cures like or any other process proposed by Hahnemann or his followers, unquote. Homeopathy is considered by many to be pseudoscience or quackery. As one source puts it, from the journal Bioethics, in a paper entitled Homeopathy is Unscientific and Unethical, quote, the notion that homeopathic preparations could have any biological effects represents a fringe viewpoint, one not entertained by serious scientists nor supported by reason and evidence, unquote. You see, it's a matter of science, lad. Now that we have that straightened out, let's break down the word. Homeo is a prefix that stems from Greek, which can translate into English roughly as like or resembling or of the same kind, equal. The suffix P-A-T-H-Y, as in words like telepathy, neuropathy, etc., 
is also from Greek meaning suffering, feeling, or even simply just emotion, disorder, disease. To put it simply, it's the idea of like cures like. The National Institutes of Health puts it this way. Homeopathy is the notion that a disease can be cured by a substance that produces similar symptoms in healthy people. The NIH also describes homeopathy this way. And this is key to fully grasping what homeopathy truly is. Quote, Many homeopathic products are so diluted that no molecules of the original substance remain, with the notion from homeopathic practitioners that the lower the dose of the medication, the greater its effectiveness. It's the very heart of science. It's the truth. For those of you outside of the United States who are unfamiliar with the NIH, the National Institutes of Health is one of the world's foremost medical research centers and is an agency of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. I hope this is clearing up any confusion. If you take an herbal supplement, for example, you are not taking homeopathic medicine. If you use essential oils, you are not using homeopathic oils. Traditional medicine, like traditional Chinese medicine or Ayurveda, has nothing to do with homeopathy, both of which far predate the theories of Hanuman. So homeopathic products do typically come from plants. Some common ones are poison ivy, belladonna, stinging nettle, and typically come in the form of a round little sugar pellet to be placed under the tongue. It's hard to think of it as anything more than the sugar pellet itself because, as I said earlier, these homeopathic products are often so diluted that no molecules of the original substance remain. Whatever substance is decided on in homeopathy, whether it be animal-based, plant-based, mineral, or synthetic, that substance is then diluted with alcohol or distilled water and then shaken vigorously in a process called succussion. Homeopathic practitioners believe, then, that the succussion causes the water molecules to remember the active ingredient, even when there is not a trace of that ingredient left. The ingredient is gone, but the memory remains. I'll never forget it. This memory is then placed into a sugar pellet, and off we go. For those of you who have benefited from homeopathy, just remember the powerful effect of placebo. Shout out to the fantastic podcast Hidden Brain and their research on placebo, including evidence pointing to the fact that the placebo effect sometimes even works on people who are told by their doctor that they are taking a placebo. That's right, just having faith in your medical practitioner that you trust with your health is enough to cause a placebo effect, even when being told you are taking a placebo. While homeopathy is widely regarded as pseudoscience, I would like to appease certain irate listeners right now by discussing a publication entitled Philosophy of Pseudoscience, Reconsidering the Demarcation Problem, written by James Ladyman who has worked extensively on scientific realism, constructive empiricism, and structural realism, and is a professor at the University of Bristol in the UK, and may or may not be a ladies' man. I don't know the guy. In this publication, Lady Man has this to say about the connection between science and homeopathy. Quote, Yet, homeopathy is a paradigmatic example of pseudoscience. It is neither simply bad science nor science fraud, but rather profoundly departs from scientific method and theories while being described as scientific by some of its adherents, often sincerely, unquote. I just wanted to point out that there are some people out there who truly do adhere sincerely to the idea of homeopathy as science. 
after the break, we're going to talk about the potential dangers of homeopathic medicine. You don't want to miss it. Stick with us. You remember that sound? Yeah, you do. The 1990s. It was fun. Lots of fun music, good times. Book ended by pop bands. And right in the middle, we got a little grungy. So many artists came and went and left us wondering, what are they doing now? We know what Marky Mark ended up doing, but what about the rest of the Funky Bunch? Alanis Morissette had a pop career before she made it big with Jagged Little Pill. The KLF, an EDM band from England, got Tammy Wynette to sing on one of their tunes. All kinds of crazy stuff happened, and we're going to talk to you about it with interviews with some of the biggest stars of the 90s on Dope Nostalgia, the podcast. I'm Naomi Carmack, and I'm your host. Check us out on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, anywhere you get your podcasts. And look us up on the internet at dopenostalgia.com. Before the break, I promised that we'd talk a little bit about the dangers that can come from taking homeopathic medicine. The first nugget of information speaks specifically to laws here in the United States. However, there may be a similar situation happening around the regulation of these products in your country as well. It may be worth looking into. The danger here in the United States is that there is no regulation of these products labeled as homeopathic. The FDA, Food and Drug Administration here in the United States, has not approved any products labeled as homeopathic. Therefore, every product that is being marketed in the U.S. as homeopathic has not gone through FDA evaluations for safety and effectiveness. So you may be saying, Mike, what's the issue? How is there any danger if these pills are ultimately just sugar pills? Well, the problem, at least here in the United States, is that since it's not regulated very much at all, that certain products from manufacturers of homeopathic medicine may not be actually highly diluted. Some of these products being sold have been found to contain measurable amounts of the active ingredients, which are sometimes ingredients like arsenic and belladonna, as I mentioned before, and, in the words of the FDA, could therefore, quote, cause significant patient harm, unquote. Check out the show notes of today's episode for a link to the FDA page that highlights about a dozen or so examples of this kind of trickery happening due to lax regulations of homeopathic medicine. This other PSA of mine goes out to anyone who may be taking advice from homeopathic doctors at this moment during a pandemic. To quote the NIH, there is, quote, no evidence to support homeopathic immunizations. That's right. Homeopathic immunizations. Some homeopathic products are being promoted as substitutes for conventional immunizations. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is telling us there is no credible scientific evidence to support these claims. For more info, visit vaccines.gov and feel free to reach out to the podcast. We can look at your sources together and decide if they are fact-based. Speaking of facts, let's open up the fact cabinet and take a peek inside. And also, speaking of fact-checkers, shout-out to Chris Sawyer for pointing out my error of spelling peak as P-E-A-K instead of P-E-E-K. I truly do love corrections and fact-checkers, and highly encourage all of you to be vigilant people. It's more important than ever. Chris DJs for one of the best community-supported radio stations in the country, KBRP. Shout-out to Chris and the folks over at KBRP, kbrpradio.com. 
That brings me to my first fact, actually. According to the Oxford English Corpus, the, the mistake between P-E-A-K and P-E-E-K is so common that almost a third of citations for the expression a sneak peek are for the incorrect spelling P-E-A-K. Ah, it always feels good to make excuses, doesn't it? Here's my piece of the Berlin Wall, the concrete barrier that divided East and West Berlin from 1961 to 1989. I know many people have chunks of the wall as souvenirs. Ain't nothing special, right? Well, fewer people have what I have. You see, my pieces of the Berlin Wall are actually just memories. Nope, I'm not just talking about pictures. I'm talking about a little bottle of Berlin Wall homeopathic pellets from the UK-based Ainsworth's Homeopathic Pharmacy. This pharmacy, which very proudly states on their website is the official homeopathic supplier to the royal family, has released little bottles of pellets they claim is made from ground-up pieces of the concrete from the Berlin Wall. Some believers have said that the Berlin Wall pills are effective in, quote, cases where traumatic incidents from the past have been walled off, unquote, and have also been touted to be good for boosting relationships and breaking down emotional barriers. That's all I have in the fact cabinet this week. Do you have any experience with homeopathic medicine? Write into the podcast and tell us your stories. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Find all of this and a lot more at www.englishsessionswithmike.com. Write into the podcast. Get the word podcast at gmail.com. Give us your word suggestions and I'll take them into consideration for the podcast. Please rate and review this podcast anywhere that you can. It's super helpful. Podcast artwork by Bruno Sanchez. You can find a link to his work in the show notes. Music performed by the Monroeville Music Center. Production, editing, and research performed by me, Mike Butler. Write into the podcast and give us your comments. That email again is gettheword.podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Welcome to the English Sessions. I am your host and English teacher, Mike Butler. This podcast is for English learners who want to learn English from an experienced educator. I share my passion about language and many awesome topics throughout this podcast. We focus on grammar, pronunciation, structure, and try to have some fun, too. There is something for everyone on the English Sessions podcast. Are you a more advanced English learner or a native English speaker? Then you'll enjoy our series called Get the Word. This series is about etymology, the history and origin of words in English. For example, did you know that the word zombie was originally the name of a West African snake god? Join us if you want to improve your English skills. Join us if you are a grammar and etymology nerd like myself. For an archive of resources and much more, go to EnglishSessionsWithMike.com. The English Sessions with Mike Butler, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there. Do you like movies, cartoons, video games, anime, and everything in between? Then we have a show for you. The Four Nerds by Nerds podcast. Every week, Josh and Ben bring you all the latest and greatest in movie reviews, 
commentaries, interviews, special guests, and tons of bonus episodes. New episodes come out every Monday. We also make great nerdy content on our YouTube channel. You can find our show anywhere podcasts are found. The 4 Nerds by Nerds Podcast. Your one stop for all your nerdy needs. Stay nerdy, my friends.